Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. I have a very exciting guest with me. I have the defensive coordinator from BYU, Coach Tuiaki. How are we doing today? I know we're just offline. We're just talking about kind of new class, new kind of off season for you. How are things going? Yeah, it's good. It's going well. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. And no, the off season starts to slow down for us, but there's still a lot of work to be done uh, preparing for next season as well as the the next recruiting class and and uh, moving moving forward from there. Yeah, I guess just to go on that is how much of a role um would you have in a lot of the recruiting classes? Because again, you you can see NFL draft goes very successful having two guys on your defense getting selected in in the NFL draft. You must be over the moon over what happened over the weekend. Yeah, su super excited about those guys. Um, you know, all the, all the other kids after the draft that signed as free agents that are going to get an opportunity to live their dreams. But it's super, really, really exciting for us as a, as a staff, as a program and, you know, Cougar nation, uh, you know, obviously, but you know, it's a, uh, it, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, you know, the recruiting, recruiting at the college level is a little bit different from the way that, that uh, the draft where professionals are selected, you know, where uh, we, we've got the whole recruiting staff. that's a little bit more involved with the, with the full, full, uh, full-time coaches, been a little bit more involved with who we take and and who we're recruiting and those kinds of things but uh that's uh definitely exciting exciting time right now to be a cougar yeah absolutely look we will be talking quite a bit about the chicago bears in here but i'd be kind of refrain not to talk about obviously zach getting the number two overall pick i guess as the defensive coordinator what was it like going up against him on a daily basis because it's not it's not every day that you get to go up against a, a top five pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he uh, ever since his, his freshman year when he came in, um, always thought that he was a really good player. You know, obviously you you he, a little bit more mistake prone as a as a younger player and he gets get gets better and better and better. But you know, he ended up uh playing playing towards the end of his freshman year and kind of taking the role and and being the the, the quarterback that we were gonna go with and and at that time, there was a lot more um, interaction between us where um, out of all the, the quarterbacks that we've played, he was the one that was probably more likely to, and, and he actually did come come across the field after after practice and, and ask questions, you know, like, hey, you guys, you guys showed me this and it, and it looked like it, it looked like this coverage and and, uh, it, you know, totally made me, you know, hang on to the ball for, for a couple more seconds. And uh, what were you trying to do? What kind of coverage was that? You know, and. And so we had a lot of good discussion that way, and it was really fun um, coaching on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, against a player like that. He's always a student of the game, always really into it, um, started to come into his own, obviously, this last year, and just really hard to defend. Um, you know, the routine plays for him where he's fitting the ball in places that that uh, other quarterbacks weren't doing it, even even in the games that we played. I mean, they were, they were, just, they were just routine plays where – He'd make a play. He'd make a play in practice, you know, in a drill that we're doing, and I'd look over, you know, just look over at his reaction, and and I wouldn't get anything out of it. <laughs> kind of on to the next play, just like okay, this is this is becoming his norm is is to make these types of plays, and you know, I thought that uh, it was uh, really good for our defense to to play against a player like that and some of the other guys on the offense, and and it made us better. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I guess it's. It's an interesting one because not a lot of people were talking about Zach as that top kind of five pick coming into this season. 
a lot of people obviously were talking about the likes of Trevor Lawrence. I know Justin Fields was someone people were kind of eyeing up. And to a certain extent, we kind of saw it with Mac Jones as well in Alabama. What changed in terms of this season that you saw in Zach? Was it just that he became more comfortable after an, another year in, in the offense? Was it that he became kind of more of the leader on the team? Or did you did the coaching staff always believe he had the potential to go in whether it's the first round or even where he went <laughs> number two is very very high stakes but like again it's some of the plays that he makes like you said for other quarterbacks it's one of those wow plays but for him you see it time and time again yeah yeah i thought you know um yeah I, I, i'm not gonna lie i i didn't see him going as the num- number two overall pick you know obviously i'm ecstatic about it and and, uh, you know, um, wishing him the best for his future. And always going to be a big fan following him as well as all the other players. But I thought, um, you know, going into the beginning of this season, this, this 2020 season, I was really, really excited just to, on the defensive side of the ball, um, having an offense that was clicking. And I think the thing that, that, that uh, a lot of people don't realize or, or, or a lot of people didn't know was, um, you know, he came in as a true freshman and played. Then he had shoulder surgery. And so he missed the whole offseason. He kind of came back in the fall camp and and uh, was playing. But then he, you know, he broke his he broke his thumb um, in the Toledo game and, and finished the rest of the season and came back at the end and had a really really good. Um, I don't know if that bowl game was the, the, that that year his freshman year, but he just he just never had a, a real offseason. You know, kind of battled through injury. And so um, when we started to see him. Um, you know, in spring ball and, and just kind of doing all those other things with the true offseason where he was healthy, he was lifting, he was throwing to the receivers and he was going against the DBs and just in the fall camp and all that stuff. Um, he looked like a different player. I mean, he was confident, he was comfortable, he was really good at what he was doing. And uh, I think I think that with just the culmination of of his uh, being student, being a student of the game and and learning a little bit more and feeling comfortable in his own shoes and having a quarterback's coach like Aaron Roderick that was that was doing his deal. And and um, I think all those things culminated to what the season was and, and what he ended up doing. And I, 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 I mean, he was, he's, he's a great player. He's a great player. I didn't, I didn't see any of this coming, but uh, super happy for him. Yeah, definitely. Happy. Yeah, absolutely. I guess one of the questions that people were asking around kind of the draft time was, what type of leader is he in in the locker room? Because that's something that a lot of fans and even to a certain extent draft analysts that we get to see don't really know because they, they get it from talking to coaches, talking to kind of other teammates and players. But in terms of any interaction that you had, whether it was on the field or seeing them in the locker room, what type of leader is Zach Wilson? He's He's got great leadership. I mean, he's an awesome kid. Um, you talk about leadership, you're talking about um, influence, you know, on, on the players, on the, on, on the offense, as well as on the whole team. And he's, he has that. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that he's a leader. I think one of the things that, that may not be um, recognized or talked about is just now th- this place is different. BYU is a different place in that, in that it's a church school. Um, big majority of the players that come in, they come in after serving a two year mission where they go out and they're, they're, they're preaching the gospel for two years and they're growing up and living. And so a lot, a lot, you know, they're obviously two years older and they're coming back. And so the makeup and the genetics of the team is a little bit different where we have, we'll have kids that are, you know, as 
for for uh, for for a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and all, you know, also known as Mormons, um, for a member of the church, you want to go on your mission when you're when you're 18, you get back when you're 20, and the next step is is to get married and start a family. And you normally don't see that in other cultures and other in other deals. And so where our team has a big majority of the, of the team return missionaries that are a little bit older, a little bit more, more mature, some of them married and some of them actually already start a family and have kids. I think the majority, the majority of the, of the, the, of the team is a little bit different. And so when Zach came in as a true freshman and, and uh, you know, did his deal as a sophomore played as a junior coming in, I don't think that it's a knock on Zach and any, you know, with, with him not being a t- selected a team captain, it was really more of a tribute to the type of team that we have. I mean, we had a, a lot of return missionaries that were, that were a lot more mature, you know, guys with, with kids, guys with families. And, and that's, that's just, you know, who our team kind of looks to as, as uh, not just leaders on the football field, spiritual leaders and emotional leaders and all that stuff. Now, Zach has influence. Zach definitely has the influence on the team. He was part of the leadership council, was voted to that. Uh, but to not be one of the two guys, you know, or three or four, or whatever it was that you ended up selecting as a captain, it is, is not a knock on him. I think it's just more tribute to just the type of players that we had on the team and the culture of the team. So, um, you know, everybody knew that Zach was a guy. I mean, he, he, he was not a guy either that was ever looked at as, you know, spoiled brat or, you know, any of that other stuff. He was, there was nothing negative about him. He was a hard worker. He, he, uh, confident, backed it up. Um, he had, he had the support of the whole offense, you know, to be able to just call receivers and, you know, all these other guys to come out and throw. I mean, he was a guy that was always kind of guiding those things and also reaching out to the defense and saying, Hey, we need to throw against DBs. And when are you guys going to be out there? I mean, he was the guy that literally, uh, conducted all of that stuff. And so he, he had influence on the team. The team respects him. The team re- loved him. Um, and there's there's no doubt that that he's a guy that's going to go with a little bit of that with all the leadership skills that he has into the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think kind of projecting him going forward? Do you think ideally it would be better? I, I know this is a, a big quarterback quarterback discussion where that a lot of people are having in Chicago now with Justin Fields. When should he play? should they kind of give them the time to develop properly? Like we've seen it with the likes of Patrick Mahomes a whole year and he was behind Alex Smith comes in and <laughs> he looked on the money straight away. We've seen other quarterbacks start from, from week one and it can affect them. So what do you think is kind of the right situation when a quarterback does go from college to the pros? Is it best that you'll know when the quarterback is ready because you'll see it whether it's knowing the playbook to the extent of where it helps your team move forward on offense or is there what would you as a coach prefer to see i i think as as a coach you know obviously i don't know how everything works at that level um and the decisions that are made and i I wouldn't know I wouldn't know any of that stuff on any team, even in college. But I, you know, for me personally, I think as as us as a team is, I think it's always best to just let it happen naturally. Where let the best player play. If he comes in and he's not ready, he's not getting getting the reads, not getting the the playbook down, and just not uh, not as fluent, not moving the ball as well, then then I think it's it's an okay thing to to sit on. I mean, you 
you sign a five-star quarterback in college, I don't think it's any different. You're not, you know, you're not, you don't expect him to come in and just immediately take over the, the, the spot. The guys that were drafted before him or the guys that are on your roster are still good players and, and still have a role to either, to either push him or, you know, to continue to take the role until somebody takes over. I mean, we had, we had a similar situation here when Zach came as a freshman. We had a, you know, returning All-American quarterback that, uh, was was projected to have a really really good good uh, career in Tanner uh, uh, Tanner Mangum, but uh, you know I think that Zach just ended up taking over when he needed to, um, and it was the best thing for the program at that time. And I think it should it be similar in the in the NFL level. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I guess one of the things that I, I want to bring up because I'm gonna kind of go on the the defensive side of the ball here, in terms of having two of your guys get selected in the NFL draft. I guess what does that do for for you and your staff as as kind of the, the main coach on defense? And then also what does it do for you going forward being able we've been talking about kind of recruiting guys to know that you can make it into the NFL level with the way you like to play defense. Right, right. It's it's gonna be huge for us. I mean um you know at least for our program and and kind of history in the last decade. Uh, with not having as many guys uh, drafted or taken, with the amount of the amount of guys that were drafted, you know, we've we've had, I think we we probably ended up having about one a year. But there was, you know, the Fred Warners, the Shannon Takaki that came out, the Harvey Lange before that, and just, uh, you know, uh, Bronson Kalfuski before that. There was always just kind of one guy, and to have multiple guys, as well as some of the kids that we recruited to project, you know, or. Um, this place for us, at least, it's 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 got to be a specific kid that's going to fit the system and the culture and survive here and 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 uh, and do well. And so sometimes we get kids that are a little bit more of a project. And uh, for us to get a kid that was projected, that wasn't really wanted by a lot of other colleges, but came here and was successful and drafted, is going to be huge for us moving forward with recruiting, where we can we can go in and recruit kids and and let them know, okay, this is the story of this kid that came that. You know, he only had one other small offer and he came here and we threw him into the fire as a freshman and, and he got better and better and took his lumps as he went, but essentially became became a, a draft-worthy, um, you know, prospect. And so uh, for us, it's going to be huge as a program to be able to go out and recruit now and, and pitch the story that, that we've we've been trying to develop all these years. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm going to move on to kind of Kyrie's Tonga getting selected at the number 250th pick for the Chicago Bears. Look, when I was just looking at him in some of the games, I'm like, this guy had got to have been playing rugby when he was growing up. As <laughs> as, a, as a proud Irishman, it's one of, it's one of our main sports that we're good at here. So yeah. I'm like, oh, this this guy, he looks like a number eight playing rugby. So uh, what what was it what was it like when he first joined the program in terms of from then until now? Because there would have been quite a lot of development going on. Tons of development. I mean, he's. Uh, um, I don't know if you're you're familiar with his story, but he's he he did play rugby, by the way. There's Not surprised. A lot, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of Islanders out here in in the state of Utah that play rugby, but um, you know he 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 got into he he had a, a tough upbringing, um, got into trouble, and actually didn't even play his his last year in high school. Uh, ended up in jail. Um, got taken in by a family that adopted him and. And uh, changed his life. Went on went on a mission. Served for two years in Kansas, and then, so when he got back to us physically, he was like, "Okay, this is a guy." When you look at him, I mean, he was he was big, strong, physical, had some pop. 
he played he played tight end, um, and so he was a little bit more mobile when he was when he was younger. But as as most Islanders do, you you eat a piece of cardboard and you gain fifty pounds. It's just it's just uh, <laughs> the genetics changed that way, and so he came off his mission and physically looked like he was ready to play, but he had not played for four years, you know, because he missed his high school year. He was in jail, and then he ended up going on a Mormon mission and then came back and there's so many things that happened. So the game of football for him was just really, really, it was about catching up. It was about catching them up. It was about teaching them schemes. It was about teaching them just all the things from A to Z about how to, how to play, play football and be a defensive lineman. And so um, his development when he first came and we, we knew that, that there was going to be a chance that he had, a, he had, he had a future in the, in the NFL. Um, it was just about trying to catch him up and, and, and be patient with his growth and development and and uh, slowly bring him along. But, um, you know, I, I, obviously I coached him. I coached the defensive line, and he's got a, he's got a bright future ahead of him. I think the, the Bears and NFL is going to be excited about having him because I think his, his best year as a football are ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've played a, a couple of different schemes at BYU. So which one do you think suited his game? the most, especially projecting into the NFL? Because there's a lot of people saying that he would be a very good nose tackle at the NFL level, especially when you look at the Bears system that they like to play, having Eddie Goldman there, even having someone like that, and you have Akeem Hicks that will be on that defensive line. It's other guys that he can definitely learn from going forward and kind of continue that the development that he did get at BYU. Yeah, I think uh... – you know, we, so we we played back and forth multiple fronts. We would we would play him at a nose in a in a in a three down front, and we play him as a tackle in, in a four down front. And I mean, uh, um, you know, he was he was always a guy that that drew a lot of attention as far as just the guy that was that was taking up most of the blocks. I think he's capable of that. But when you put him into a system with a lot of other dangerous D linemen, and, and uh, you know, gives him more one on ones and and uh, more opportunities that way, I think. I think he's going to shine, and uh, I think he's going to fit into any system as far as just where you put him because he's he's uh, he's played multiple positions now, and and he's got a got a good taste of just going. But I, I'm excited for his development under a lot of uh, of those veteran veteran uh, players because uh, you know they'll obviously there'll be some things that you learn in the NFL from other people seeing it going against you know a lot better old linemen that you're not going to see in the, at the college level, but. Um, yeah, he, he's a he's a fast learner and a student of the game, and really focused individual. He's he's a guy that, you know, when they when they uh, when he signed his with his agent to go and train, his agent asked him if he uh, <clears throat> like you know living situations. He was going to go and train in Florida, in Miami. So it was like, okay, uh, do you want to live in this big house? What kind of car do you want? You know, uh, these are the guys, you know, and and so he was like, I just want a little small apartment where I can stay up on myself. I'm just you know, kind of low key. He's like, I don't, I don't really want any, you know, big car, but I would like a truck because I'm a little bit bigger. And so, I mean, he's just a low yeah. maintenance, low maintenance, hardworking guy that's going to appreciate the opportunity that he has and just and just push himself really hard. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear as well. Um, I guess one of the things is if you had to describe him in terms of some of his strengths that you've seen over the last couple of years, what way would you describe him as a player? So he's a. Uh, he's a, he's a great athlete. Um, he's, uh, he's hard on himself in that when he makes mistakes, when he gets frustrated, which is, which I think is sometimes a bad thing, but it's a good thing as well, where he demands a lot out of himself. 
Um, but I think because of his lifestyle and the way that he's focused, and he's a guy that's going to learn a lot, that's going to pick up a lot, that's going to you know listen to the people that are going to be helping him to get better and and really really shine because he's uh, he's also got. I mean, he he was in prison, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a little bit of that in him, right? Where we'll we'll be in practice, we're kind of doing stuff, and he just completely manhandles and, and disrespects somebody. And I think there's a part of that in him that's just like he knows he's a guy and he every now and then has got to get that out. And so I think being being the NFL and really trying to trying to do his deal, I think you're going to see a lot of that come out and, and uh, see him see him really put his best foot forward to, to, to put a good product on the field. He's, he's got a little bit of that to him. Yeah, it's it's I guess what some of the guys will say on the defensive line. He's got a bit of a dog in him because that's that's what but that's what you need when you do get to the next level. I guess in terms of some of the games that you've played this year, was there any game that kind of sticks out at you that if you had to kind of remember some of the plays that he made, that one that kind of sticks out in your mind where you thought that he had a very good game? Oh, that's 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 kind of hard hard for me or even or even when i guess you know when the competition gets gets higher how does he kind of deal with that like when it's let's say it's a rivalry game or one of the bigger games of the season does he treat that game any differently than just any other regular saturday game for yeah you? yeah so so i thought uh i thought in the games where we needed him the most he rose to the occasion and um, I, you know, just just thinking back, the one that really stuck out to me the most, and all, and not just this year, but the previous year we played Boise, and they were they were undefeated and, and really good team, and and uh, we were we were demanding a lot out of him in the specific scheme that we were playing, and he was lights out, just just unbelievable, unbelievable technique, just played really well, and I thought that he had one of his best games ever, but. Um, it seems when we when we are playing these types of teams and you know we, we play we play a schedule that's mixed with, with both uh, P5 and G5 and he, he rises to the occasion and shows up when he needs to. Yeah, I, I guess one of the questions that I have because I've been doing a lot of kind of listening to many of the interviews with some of whether it's a scout or a coach and was there was it difficult this year because I know there's been a couple of players that kind of, um, opted out because of the COVID situation some halfway through the year when they thought that they were going to get drafted. Um, how difficult of a situation do you think it was in college football in, in 2020 with COVID? Because we, we saw how it was difficult in the NFL. Some of those guys wanted to opt out. Was that ever kind of an issue that you saw or a potential issue? Because I know in some other programs, some guys – they played for whatever it was, five, six games, realized they're going to get drafted. So they kind of hold out for the rest of the season. How difficult is that as a coach going into kind of a weird year anyway? Yeah, it, it definitely had its challenges. I mean, there were, there were always, uh, you know, even without guys opting out, there was all of a sudden you'd get a test, come back positive, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're scrambling around trying to, trying to make things work and put your – put your depth chart together and all that stuff. And so there, there, there are challenges that way. Um, I thought that with, with the success that we were having during our year um, and just the, the close knit uh, group that we had, there was, there was never really any talks of anybody opting out um, until the bowl game. And so 
uh, yeah, that, that was it. Was just a it was it was a crazy year. It was a bizarre year. Um, <laughs> there, there are so many different th- uh, challenges that you faced. You know, half of your coaching staff being out for a game. You know, some of your some of your starters being out. Kyrus actually was out for the Houston game, which was a huge game for us. And um, yeah, just uh, it, it was it was a weird year. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess for the guys that are still. At BYU, do you think that it would have brought them a lot closer together, considering that they were in this bubble? And really, I know I know that for a lot of coaches have said both in pretty much all sports. Because I know during the um, NCAA tournament for basketball, anyway, a lot of the coaches were saying this has really brought our team together because they're spending pretty much all their time together because they can't really mix with anybody else. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. There's. There, there are benefits that you saw to to something like this. I mean, the the way that so we 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 almost didn't have a season, right? I mean, we had yeah. we have an independent schedule, and we had you know over half of our teams drop out. And we were kind of sitting here thinking, are we even going to have a uh, a season? And so when when everything kind of came back together, and our athletic director was able to put things together, I mean the the way the kids came back with an appreciation for being able to play the game and and uh, how close-knit they were, just the amount of time that they spent together and relying on each other to make responsible decisions, you know, off the field was, it was, it was huge, definitely huge. Yeah, absolutely. I guess in terms of for Kyrie's, where do you think that he can improve on his, well, let's say where he needs to develop most at the next level, because it can be a big step up for defensive linemen from going from college football to the NFL, especially with, an off season that we're not really sure what's what's going to happen. Hopefully, there's a, a very regular off season, unlike last year, where really there was two weeks of training camp and that was about it. So, where do you think that he needs to kind of develop moving forward at the NFL level? I think I think he'll do a good job learning. Um, I think there's um, there's there's a lot of uh, things that he'll add into his repertoire as far as the way that he's playing the run as well as playing the pass that he'll learn from other guys and, and add into his arsenal. Uh, but he's a, he's a great learner and uh, you know, he's a, he's a great student. So I think he'll do a good job with just adding more things into his repertoire. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I guess the, the good, the good thing is as a, as a Bears fan, we always like our, our defense. So it was always nice seeing two more defensive players being brought in at the end of the draft. So I, I guess in terms of with the entire team for BYU we saw kind of five guys was it there was five guys that got drafted it was Wilson Christensen Tonga Wilcox and Milne um but then also having I think there was seven others that were picked up in the UDFA market is how important is that for for the program going forward because being able to churn out guys both on offense and on defense must be really important especially now look you just have to look at kind of the defense that you guys had where you're fourth in scoring in the country, which, again, you, you look at that and you would expect players would would get drafted based on kind of just how good the defense was. So in terms of moving forward, where do you think that you guys need to improve on? Is it more of trying to get off the field and third down? Is there anything else that you feel like you would like to add to the defense in this offseason? Yeah, there's that. that's a, that's a great question, and that's that's – a question that will always come back as a staff after the season and and uh, look at things you know as far as just what we need to improve how we want to change our philosophies and all that stuff and it's just 
the game's changing for us in college. Um, and it's, and it's changed. So I've been a coordinator here for five years and it's changed from year one all the way till now. And then the, 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 the type of things that you see, um, the, 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 the way that uh, the game's going, I mean, it's just, there's so many things, intricate parts of the game that are changing. Um, you know, there was one year where we were, we were, uh, chasing one stat and we ended up giving up a little bit in the other. And so I think there's, there's always a little bit of give and take in the way that you're going to go. And so the biggest thing, um, you know, for us that we've obviously the biggest stat that uh, contributes to whether you win or lose is the score. And so that's, we're not going to, we're not going to chase. I, I, I found that you, you start chasing certain stats, like, okay, you want more takeaways, you want more interceptions and sacks. It comes with a certain amount of aggression that you want to add in. And with aggression, naturally there's risk and reward. And so I've tried to, I've tried to remove myself from being, uh, a person that's chasing specific stats that's going to end up hurting the overall uh, scoring defense. The, the number one thing that we want to do is is uh, try to tidy up our scoring defense, find opportunities where we can still be a little bit more aggressive to try to get the ball back for our offense. But today's game, it's it's offensive football, man. <laughs> yeah, football. I know. Defensive football, we're just happy to be here, be part of it. And, and I think the biggest contribution that we can make is trying to keep trying to keep points off the board. And everything else after that is bonus. But, I mean, you know, with the team that we had this year, our offense, with how hot they were and having such a, such a great quarterback and great production in the run game and the receivers and all that stuff, um, everything ended up clicking for us. And we were able to, you know, when you're scoring tons of points, it's, it just makes it a little bit easier on defense. But, um, I, you know, I don't know if that answers your question or not. But it's really <laughs> points per game is the stat that I'm going to chase. All the other stats, they are they are important. They are, they really are. But but you're not going to chase any of those stats at the cost of giving up points per game. It's just and and it's uh, funny. You start go, kind of going down the rabbit hole as we're sitting here as a staff talking about the most uh, you know the, the statistics that that uh, matter the most. And I mean, there's there's turnovers, there's you know interceptions, there's sacks, there's TFLs, there's so many things that you start chasing defensively, and. Um, you just go down this this rabbit hole that has so many different directions you can go, and you know having tested it and, and done what we've done, feel like okay, biggest biggest goals we got to try to keep points off the board, and everything after that is going to end up being bonus, and we'll you know do what we need to do, but that's that's going to be the biggest thing for us. Yeah, absolutely. Like you hear any defensive coordinator that's kind of talking now, and it's all about stopping the explosive plays because that's what you we see, especially in the NFL now that it's a lot of these defenses and you've seen a lot of recent head coaches get jobs because they've known how to kind of stop some of those big plays. And sometimes even conceding the three points, it kind of kind of helps you by not having kind of those openings to where you can get those kind of big plays. And look, I guess I'd be doing my fellow Bears fans a disservice if I didn't ask if you were coming up against a quarterback like Justin Fields that we have recently drafted what could look the way offensive football is now it's very difficult for defenses but what would you want to do first in order to kind of stop a kind of because we see a lot of them now dual track quarterbacks in college what's kind of the first step for you as a defense to try and stop a quarterback like that <laughs> that's, it's, that's, it's, that's a tough one <laughs> I, you know, without without having studied him or watched any of the stuff, and while we see are the highlights, just like everybody else, I think 
you know, having a quarterback that that is uh, dangerous running as well as uh, throwing the ball um, is, is is tough to defend. I mean, you see guys like Cam Newton and the success they had and um, the quarterback with the Ravens and, and just some of the other ones that can take off. I mean, obviously he has the ability to pass and he's a, he's a, he's a great quarterback. Um, but having the ability to also uh, take off and, and uh, hurt the defense that way, I think is, is something that's really, really scary. And so uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. how to defend somebody like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess the last question that I have is, if you had any message for Bears fans of what to expect from Kyrie's Tonga, what would it be? His best. I mean, he's he's a kid that's like that. He he wants to, he'll he'll want to please the please the fan, please the crowds. He's a he's a he's a he's a gentle giant, one of the nicest guys that you're gonna ever meet. And so if you any of you Bears fans have an opportunity to run into him and you know bring your kid up for a picture and all that stuff, I mean he's all about that life. He's a he's a great great human being, but. I know that he's going to give you guys uh, give you guys his all. That's perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Coach. It's been really good to kind of get a little bit of an insight on kind of Kyrie's and kind of what to expect going forward. Like I said, Bears fans, we love our defense. Probably something very similar to yourself. So it's been really enjoyable having you on the show. I'm really thankful that you came on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, make sure that you do subscribe to us over on YouTube. We're live on kind of Twitter, Twitch, and you can follow us on all the socials. And this podcast will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those. Thanks again, Coach. Take care. Take care.